The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. It's the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, welcome on to Coaches Ranking Part 2 here on the Hollinger and Duncan Podcast. Uh, We're also live on Locker Room as well. You can get those speaker requested now. We will be taking those at the end, but we will be answering your calls in the order in which they were received. But first, a reminder that today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Are you happy because you win, or do you win because you're happy? And only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra, maybe player, maybe coach (laughs) coming up uh, in the episode might be a coach of the week it's it's is quite possible uh it it was last week uh so let's pick up here with the our coach rankings a a reminder on how that works john is going to take a sip of his coffee and then yes we're going to pick coaches in the order uh, that we would select them if we were trying to hire a coach for a random team for the next four years essentially so this isn't necessarily coach of the year who's done the best job right now it's just looking forward who we think would do the best job for our team so Last week, we left off pretty much uh, in the middle. Who would you like to start with uh, here, John, uh, to talk about yeah. uh, kind of in so this co- 16 to we 20 covered, Yeah, we covered 13 of my top 15. Uh, we ah, did not okay. get to my, my number 14 and number 15, guys. Um, Let's hear it. Number 14. It's a little interesting when you talk about the four-year part of this, but Tom Thibodeau. Yeah, yeah. Um, can so you here's, just get new players every year? So <laughs> well, you're you gonna, just... you're gonna, you're gonna need them probably with all the wear and tear. Um, yes, but yes, that was that was the important there. Ec- extremely high level of preparation with all of his teams, um, and I do think you know he was his own worst enemy in Minnesota, but he got the T Wolves to the playoffs, which certainly nobody else has been able to do that right um his yeah his tenure in chicago was really good he uh you know his history is that he's not going to play well in the sandbox so that's a little bit of an issue when you talk about a multi-year stay and what's going to happen to his players over the longer yeah. term with the minutes but, loads well just let caa just just let caa run uh your whole franchise that, that'll take care of any any front office drama <laughs> well that's true too <laughs> 
So, uh, and but, I, I mean, between and, and you can ensure you'll get favorable coverage from ESPN too, so no one will ever get fired. Yeah. It'll be great. Yeah. So if you're, I do think if you're in a win now mode, which actually the Knicks were not, which is what made this such a weird hire. But if you're in a win now mode, I mean, he's certainly the best guy left on the list. I would say. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, and you know, for Tibbs as a development, didn't see it as much in Minnesota. Certainly saw it in Chicago he's not a huge fan of playing rookies he'll do some inexplicable stuff like starting Keith Bogans in Chicago and starting Alfred Payton in New York uh, he's definitely going to do things his way mm-hmm. you know if he could just chill by like 10% and just get a little bit less crazy then I think he would rocket up this list for mm-hmm. me but uh, I mean we're t- uh, joking aside about CAA we are talking about a random team here and you're, you are talking about him potentially wearing out his welcome you are talking about him playing rj barrett 40 minutes a game and julius randall 40 minutes I a play, game you're, he played you're a 46 player. in a regulation game last week seems like, like a lot a, that's during... amazing that never happens anymore yeah um and tom would say hey i the guys who can handle it i play them but then they also kind of break down the way yeah. you all dang and jimmy butler did now now jimmy butler can Joe only play 30 minutes too. a game during the regular season oh yeah mm-hmm. yeah i mean that's that one is a uh is a classic i mean he would basically and the story out of uh that nick friedel wrote uh, talking about thibodeau's demise in chicago where in a meaningless regular season game in 2014 with Joakim noah on a knee that would eventually require surgery and he would never be the same after that defensive player of the year season mm-hmm. they go into charlotte in a game that didn't even mean anything for seating it, it was my recollection and they play him you know like 45 minutes or some shit in, the, in that game yeah. i can't remember the exact number but it, it was something just utterly preposterous and so yeah that that is all a problem i mean for me i like to build something a little bit more sustainable i also think that thibodeau has gotten out coached in the playoffs when he's been in there he had absolutely zero zero answers against houston switching in 2018 with the wolves his bulls teams lost to washington in 2014 2013 they they beat a, a brooklyn team that was pretty good uh 2015 i thought they actually had a pretty decent chance of beating that Cavs team and they kind of imploded he ended up getting fired so i I think he's worse in the playoffs uh, partially due to that inflexibility but you can't argue with the results either in new york uh, this year you just wonder about the sustainability so i had him a little i had him at uh, 19 but still in this 11 to 20 group so i don't think we're necessarily that far off on him with the job that he's done this year it's hard not to uh, at least have him in the teens uh but i i would have guessed before the start of the year that'd be worse uh for him. yes i agree with that i agree with that yeah so i think he's so so he was your he was 14 for you yes um yeah i i guess he uh it's gonna be really interesting to see what happens in new york these next couple of years and for some for whatever reason like a bunch of stars seem to really like him unless their name is carl anthony towns yeah yeah exactly i mean even the even the guys he ran into the ground to kind of view him favorably so yeah it's uh, uh and i think the other thing you can say too is 
it's looking like Minnesota is a little bit of the outlier there now and whether that's because he had personnel power or just because Carl Anthony Towns just didn't want to play defense for him or whatever uh mm-hmm. it's looking like he has this magic touch when it comes into it comes to improving a team's defense uh, and yeah. that and it, I guess it really even kind of did happen in Minnesota if you look at what happened just before he got there and what happened just afterwards it was just he couldn't get it that high because you know he was dealing with Towns and Wiggins yeah yeah absolutely um okay so who is the other guy that you had in your top 15 and he's kind of the the complete opposite of of uh Thibodeau in some ways uh lots of staying power although I think he he may be a coaching free agent this summer uh Terry Stotts yeah that's uh I have him down in a tier below I have him at number 23 okay uh, overall um and just the the defense has just been unacceptably bad for two years that's, now. That's that's I mean that's the biggest thing. If you want to take shots at him, he's just never been a good defensive coach anywhere he's been. The the defenses have been have maxed out at average. Um, and you could argue, you know, personnel and whatnot have played into that. And I think this year's team, for them to be as bad as they are defensively, like with their personnel, they shouldn't be good, but they shouldn't be this bad either. Well, and he's starting to kind of dip into the desperate coach playbook. Recently. I mean, it's Jason it's Quick wrote an article it, about this. It, and it's it's what happens i think i mean it's his ninth season there i think they it's his ninth season right like i think it's just at the point yeah. where it's it's over they need a decent different voice i mean the same thing happened to nate mcmillan there it was just like you woke up one day and it was just like it's over like <laughs> what you know it's it's just time to do something different and that inevitably can happen uh to lots of coaches in different situations. So uh, I don't necessarily hold that against him. Uh, I thought he did a good job winning that uh, playoff series against Denver two years ago. Um, yeah. I, th- I think the Blazers in general have been a pretty decent playoff team. And offensively, I think he's done some some good stuff in the time he's been there. And re- really even before then in Atlanta and uh, seeing Milwaukee, was that the other place he was? It was a long time ago. It's a, uh, just a yeah. memory now. No, yeah, it, it, Milwaukee. And then he, then he, he kind of rehabbed himself under Rick Carlisle in Dallas and and then he got hired. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, but you know, the ability to, he's been able to earn the trust of his star players. I think he has been able to, you know, have a decent amount of success for an extended period. So I think, I think that's a real positive for him. I mean, the guys who were left on this list, I mean, None of them, except I guess like Scott Brooks, have been able to stay in one place for as long as Stotts did, and and have pretty decent success. So, uh, so that that's why I put him fifteenth. Like I do, th- like if he's out in Portland after this year, I do think he'll get another job. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me either. Another thing that you didn't mention that probably it deserves to go in his ledger and is part, I think, of the development aspect with him. Is, and you've written about this extensively is the way that they've uh, developed players yes exactly yeah thank you for mentioning that because that that's another positive uh for him and his staff and i think you know there's an organizational commitment to that there too but i think with it you know you know with him and and mike malone both i think that gets overlooked a little that they're able to win in the present while still accomplishing player development for the future now the argument against him is I think, yes, in Denver, or or that Denver series in 2019, it it looked pretty good for him. 
Other times, I can't really point to just like great adjustments that he's made in playoff series. He played Zach Collins more in that series. I think that's helped. He's had a little bit too much of an addiction to traditional bigs, I would say. And then whenever they've gone away from that structure of the drop coverage, just he had it kind of working for a little bit there where they were just, they didn't have great personnel, but it was just a math problem. They were forcing teams into mid-rangers and protecting the rim. That's really broken down the last three years uh, or so actually really three of the last four years they've yeah. just had absolutely atrocious defenses and yeah it's tough with the the two small guards you can't you're kind of limited and being able to switch but they've never other than that drop coverage they've never found anything schematically that's even remotely worked defensively whenever they go small it's just a complete disaster uh, on defense it, he's always had some kind of weird rotational decisions at times uh, i would say and like for example this year Cantor and Mello together on the mm-hmm. second unit now he's yeah. not playing Derek Jones Jr who's a, one of their better defensive players when I mean I would be trying to do that if you can't stop anybody uh, um you know he's playing Rondé Hollis Jefferson on a 10 day over Derek Jones Jr for example now like starting yeah. him for some reason where uh I, I mean and if you you're not playing Derek Jones Jr because he can't shoot putting Rondé Hollis Jefferson in there probably doesn't make a ton of sense either uh, and they're just enough inexplicable things in the press conference i think this this is something that quick pointed out as well where he just doesn't give you the idea that he's really kind of confident in control really has a great process behind some of the decisions that he's making and maybe he does behind the scenes he doesn't want to talk about it in the press conference okay but he always kind of has this like slightly defensive air to him mm-hmm. as well yeah. so it's i think to me we kind of know what terry stotts is he's never other than the development to me there's no real huge feather in his cap but i kind of give the organization maybe a little more credit for that um and, and so i would just this is just my personal philosophy i don't think that we necessarily disagree on what stats is it's just that i would rather take more of a chance on an, a guy i perceive as up and coming who might have a little more upside uh, than mm-hmm. terry stats that's kind of my thought uh, on why i have him lower yeah if this is a coach draft you're you're going to pick for for more upside because you know you know what he is and you know there's limitations with that so so did i convince you to move him down or no <laughs> eh, i don't know but, but let, maybe let, a spy yeah. well, we'll, so, we'll talk about some of these other guys and see yeah see, yeah let's see, see if let's we like any so, because so, basically we're getting into a group of like several guys where you could say basically the same things um the the next guy on my list is actually completely different though this would be more of an upside play so you could argue he should have been higher and you, uh, we talked about him a bit last week when you brought up Mark Daniel with with Oak City, uh, and that is Taylor Jenkins in Memphis, uh, where they they have gotten a lot out of uh, the personnel defensively. Uh, the team has certainly overachieved this year in terms of not having Jaron Jackson all year and still looking likely to finish in the top eight in the West. Now it seems like and. Uh, you know, it's it's interesting. There, there's been a couple weird things. Like he didn't he didn't use the challenge at all <laughs> last year, which was kind of bizarre. And uh, the commitment to a ten man rotation can be a little much when they don't have ten NBA players available. 
uh, which happened a couple times when they had injuries hit. So th- there's a couple things you can point to, but I think overall you say in the middle of year two that he's um, you know he's had a good track record so far, and he's he's willing to try stuff too, which is interesting. You know he'll do things like put two he put two men on the uh, inbounder. I don't know if you saw that um, in like late game inbound situations. Yeah, yeah, he double teamed the inbounder to to take away his vision, which was really interesting. Um, he's done that. A couple times uh and i, I don't know I, ju- I i just think there's there's an outside the box kind of instinct with him that's it's not on nick nurse's level or anything but it it comes up sometimes and it's interesting i really like jenkins a lot he was my number 16 it sounds like we're pretty much the the same uh, on him and uh, like with mark dagnall i just uh, i really think that he can continue to grow as a coach their defense has been way above expectations when you consider how young they are as well yeah. and playing with the traditional drop back center to be number eight in defense is really fantastic i mean also to be number 15 on offense with this group like how the hell with, are they doing no that shooting. they got like yeah. one shooter on the floor yeah. at all times and they're doing it with great transition play he's brought that over from milwaukee uh but it, obviously i think he, he's installed some of the stuff in that worked in milwaukee from a system standpoint and having a framework that his players can rely on but at the same time he doesn't have nearly the same type of personality. He's still been able to succeed, basically playing two bigs all the time. The development has been good. I, I like the way that they've handled John Morant. He's really been in lockstep with the organization uh, from a health standpoint. When Morant was only playing 30 minutes last year, coming off the yeah. knee surgery, he stuck to that totally fine. Uh, so that's been good. I mean, the development, granted that some of the guys that they've brought in have been more prepared than your typical rookies, but you know, getting effective backup center minutes out of the number 35 overall pick this year Xavier Tillman and uh Desmond Bain number 30 overall pick and Brandon Clark last year Kyle Anderson's having the best season of his career they've gotten some guys to improve their shooting under him as well Dante Melton is another guy who's been really good for them who hadn't yeah. done much uh, beforehand uh so yeah I, I really like everything that he's done we haven't seen him in, in an adjustment playoff situation the play-in game there are a, a few foibles there but he was also dealing with such a limited roster like I wouldn't have expected them to win that game so I'm very encouraged with Jenkins and I think he's going to have staying power in this development situation in Memphis he's kind of grown into himself with the media too where he was a little awkward last year uh so yeah I I think if you Taylor Jenkins versus Terry Stotts much rather have Taylor Jenkins I think he's doing a better job right now and he's younger and can continue to grow right you just don't see that probably as much with Stotts right right so did I convince you <laughs> yeah, I think I think I think maybe you did. Yeah, I think, I think maybe there's a case for for moving uh, moving Jenkins up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was I, mean, uh, I was really yeah. Yeah. I was really focused on the longevity part when I did this. Um, yeah. So that's why I gave Stotts the advantage. Um, but yeah, I think uh, Taylor's got an argument. It's it's going to get interesting now going forward because. Uh, now I think like next year especially there's going to be more expectations on this team so that creates just a different environment yeah, yeah. especially if they actually follow through and are, are able to make the playoffs instead of losing in the play-in this yeah. year we'll see how, how that goes and if they make the playoffs we'll get a better idea of kind of what the adjustments he's able to make but it, I think he's been well above expectations this season with this group was well above expectations last year I think both these years he's in the coach of the year conversation to me and so yeah if they have a healthy group with jaron jackson next year then maybe the expectations will ratchet up a little bit oh there's a 
gift giving holiday coming up at the beginning of May. And you've heard me extol the virtues of Hello Tushy. And no doubt you've already purchased one for yourself because you know that just toilet paper is not getting you clean. But if you really care about those loved ones in your life, don't you want them to be clean as well? If you've bought it, you know that it's extremely easy to install. When they say that anyone can put it together, they mean even your parents. Yes, even your parents can attach the Hello Tushy 3.0 to their existing toilet. No electricity, no extra plumbing, no tech support, and it will cut toilet paper use by 80%, paying for itself in just a few months. Plus, it also comes with a 60-day risk-free guarantee and a 12-month warranty. Have your parents join millions of happy Hello Tushy customers right now. Give the gift of a clean butt. Go to hellotushy.com slash PER, easy to remember slash PER, and that'll get you 10% off plus free shipping. This is a special offer for our listeners at hellotushy.com slash PER for 10% off. That's hellotushy.com slash PER. Don't forget that slash PR to let them know that you came for us. Apropos, given we are going to do a locker room hangout at the end of this show, to let you know that this episode is brought to you by Locker Room, the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport. I host two rooms on Locker Room, one with my partner Danny LaRue at 6 eastern three pacific on tuesdays and then this one with john starting at two eastern 11 pacific time may vary but generally that's when it is check my twitter at nate duncan mba for updates uh, on that so you can get in join the conversation have a conversation with us go download the free locker room app now it's available on all ios devices you create a profile you link your twitter and you join the nba group for the latest league updates i'm at nate duncan mba you can be notified when my room goes live that's the locker room app on all ios devices another guy that i had in this group is steve clifford he's my number 17 wow okay where did you yeah it's interesting i i had him around there i had him a little bit lower uh you know steve clifford and stan van gundy are kind of right there i mean it's the same coaching tree and everything they're trying to do the same things uh and then you can sort of debate who's been more effective in doing that steve clifford has never had super talented teams uh was able to milk playoff spots out of both Charlotte and Orlando with really, you know, fairly average rosters. I think, um, I think offensively, uh, you know, he's he's more of a defensive coach. I think we're being honest. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> is, is that a tactful way to put it? Uh, I, I don't know. They've never done anything that really blows your mind, but. Um, well, well I, I, let me push back on that just a little okay. bit. Um, uh, you know, I, I think some of the stuff that they did with Vucevic, uh, running more stuff through him at the elbows, they have, uh, given their personnel, I think that they at least have been able to find some plays that work for them, like that Vuce screening Fournier out of the corner, wide pin down, and then popping out to three is something that, that teams have struggled to guard over the years. And uh, and then, it, you know, the, so, so there's there are, like, at least, a few things that they've been able to get and given how limited their personnel is i wouldn't argue that they've underperformed on offense yeah i mean they've had you know low teens high 20s when they've had vucevic there that's probably about what they their talent would indicate yeah yeah uh definitely more of a win now guy from that like thibodeau mold i think and uh you know i don't think player development has been a huge priority i mean they 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 did bring markel fultz along nicely although i 
I think that was, you know, pretty heavily an organizational imperative. Um, and I'd say, you know, what's happened with Mo Bamba, I think, has been a little disappointing, just, just in terms of not even getting him on the floor uh, to, to play guys who, you know, were fine, decent. I mean, Ken Birch isn't a bad player, but it's just you, you got to think a little bit about the long term of the organization versus just winning that game today. Yeah, well, they I, I mean, I think the organization did seem pretty focused on making the playoffs the last couple of years. And remember, they made the playoffs in 2019 because he stopped playing Mo Bamba. They gifted yeah. Mo Bamba minutes yeah. for the first okay, four months fair. of the year. They had like a negative 15 net rating when he was out there. And then as soon as they started playing Ken Birch, they go on like a 22 and eight run or whatever it is to make the playoffs and, and get completely destroyed by Toronto in the first round. Um, and, and then Bamba had some injury issues as well. So, and has struggled with coming back from COVID now he's playing, but it's, uh, you know, I, I, at some point you got to earn it. I mean, I think they did gift him some minutes early on and they're just like, Hey, we're, we actually have a decent team here. Like we can't afford to be playing this guy. I mean, I, I I'll put it this way. I put that, I did not like that pick for them at the time. And I think he's gotten enough chances to where it's pretty clear that he's not ready to contribute right now. I mean, it's one thing if they just didn't play at all. So I guess I slightly disagree with you on the, on that one. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's some other players that haven't developed amazingly well offensively. I mean, like John Isaac, considering how little he's actually been able to play, the fact that he's developed as well as he has defensively. Like, I don't think anyone saw him as a like defensive player of the year type of player when he got drafted. So they've gotten him into being a... Uh, that type we, of we, level, which has been impressive. We, we also got to ding him for the uh, love fest with Dwayne Bacon. I mean, with a last name like that. Uh, well, yeah, I, I guess I guess <laughs> since you're a vegetarian, you don't you don't get that. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I mean, it does. It th- that's not too good. But then uh, again, there's not really anyone else that's been healthy to play like james ennis misses time with a calf injury every three seconds it's it's been uh i I mean honestly they they've been above expectations this year they've continued to play hard most of the year uh you know i think in the playoffs he's done okay probably you would argue maybe they should have won that 2016 series against the heat uh the one year that he was in with charlotte Mm -hmm. uh but that was, uh, yeah. I, I think he's solidly in this group. I, I guess you could argue like him or Thibodeau. I'd probably rather have him. I think he he sands off a little bit more of the rough edges of Thibodeau, and you still get most mm-hmm. of the good things right, about him. Right. So I, I think he's just a solid coach. He's uh, someone I don't see him as a high upside guy, but he's also someone who's going to come in and give you some competence right away. And particularly just the way that he's gotten these teams to defend with Nikola Vucevic. Chicago's finding out how difficult that is right now. Yeah, that's yeah, been pretty certainly. impressive. Certainly. Um, so where did you have Clifford ranked? Uh, I had him at 21. Okay, so so who are some of the other guys that you had above So him? let's talk about Stan Van Gundy. Like, am I giving him too much credit for 2009? Is that, like, too long ago? I've got him at number 24, so, yeah, I, I, I fear so. The, uh, the, yeah. the Pelicans have been a, a disappointment to me, uh, especially at the defensive end. I just I, – I thought he would – fix more of the things that were obviously not right with them a year ago and it hasn't quite happened yeah the one thing i would give him credit for this year is the point zion thing Mm -hmm. that is that's exactly the way that i was hoping that zion would be used when uh, he came out of school they weren't really he wasn't really capable of doing that physically Mm -hmm. last year either 
But th- that's been really awesome. And the, your number one thing is to develop Zion Williamson, and they've done that. But I, I do think you would be hard-pressed to point to anything else that's happened this year that's really been good, admittedly with the, a bunch of injuries. But Yeah. Uh, the, yeah. It does feel like, be, uh, like if you had told me that Zion would play this much and play this well, I would not have projected this to be their record. No. And he's uh, part of the issues are roster construction. Eric Bledsoe has been terrible. That 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 aspect of the trade is not looking good. The three first-round yeah. picks is, yeah. was yeah. nice. The whole, the um, whole Stephen know, they, Adams thing was silliness. Yeah. Yeah. The Stephen Adams, Jackson Hayes. I mean, that, that's been tough. Hayes is playing a little bit better. They're getting a little bit more out of him. Ingram is kind of doing about the same as he did last year. That's not... He hasn't really taken a further step forward. Uh, they tried this defense to... to be kind of bucks like uh protecting the rim a, a ton and, and giving up threes but they weren't they didn't actually get the forcing them to shoot a low percentage at the rim part of the protecting the rim <laughs> they, they did they did the give up and, threes part though they did that they they executed the shit out of that yeah and again you know your personnel is not amazing it's steven adams to me is probably a little overrated as a as a defensive center and zion Definitely. is not good ingram is not good they the guards are fine but that's you can't you can only go so far with those guys defensively i'm just there's not really anything to hang your head on and, and that's i don't even think he's like a terrible coach or anything i just like some of these other guys better i think the state of the yeah. profession is pretty good I think, yeah um, i think that's what you get into a little here yeah, so for me, here's some of the guys that I had above uh, Van Gundy. I did have Stotts uh, above him at 23. I had yep. them kind of in this same tier, um, a tier below some of the other guys we've been talking about in the teens. I had Nate McMillan uh, at number 18 and James Borrego at number 20. Both of those in those, a higher tier than Van those were my next. Those are my next two guys. I had them 19 and 20. Yeah, McMillan, you just you didn't like what they were doing in Indiana. There were too many mid-rangers. They weren't shooting enough threes they didn't run enough and but you felt like hey you know do you really want to do this indiana like you kind of have a good thing here i understand why they made the change also just from a personality standpoint he was not popular there in mm-hmm. their locker room it seemed that the, jay michaels had a lot of reporting on that that he's just kind of yeah he's not willing to hold these darn millennials hands the, the way that uh you need to these days um you, you know that but but he's coming into atlanta and yes they have overcome some injuries and their schedule's gotten easier but I, it's impossible to argue at this point that he's not doing better than Lloyd Pierce wasn't he this team apparently needed some of his kind of veteranosity coaching mm-hmm. of all right we're going to slow it down we're going to get into sets we're going to make sure that everyone's involved we're going to be more meticulous and that's that unequivocally has worked for this Hawks team yeah I think he's shown that he can get a lot of mileage defensively at a pretty average talent especially in the regular season and I, you know, I didn't want to overweigh this Hawks bounce either. I mean, he's had an entire career before this. I mean, we kind of know what he is. And so the other reason I couldn't put him any higher is that he sucks in the playoffs. Like, I don't know how else to put it. Like, he's he's been really bad in the postseason. Like, even going back to Portland no, that, that first that first year when uh, it wouldn't they they just let Yao Ming go one on one in Game One, and and that basically ended the series right there. 
Yeah, I think that that was uh, 2009, which was yeah. yeah, that was really the only the, the only really year that he had. I guess that they were in the the next year too, but Roy was already injured at that point. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I I mean they they have definitely had some pretty miserable collapses. I, I think the the McMillan stat that is going to live with him for a long time until he has some more playoff success is that they had the closest sweep in NBA history back in 2017, <laughs> where they lo- they got swept, but were only negative 16 for the series that just kind of perfectly encapsulates uh, where he's been Mm -hmm. Uh, and last year they had no answers for miami switching defense although what after miami beat the bucks uh, that series didn't look as terrible they didn't have sabonis last year either uh the year before they didn't have oladipo so it was pretty rough going against boston but you know you'd like them to win one win a game or two in some of these series and then i I thought actually maybe his worst coaching job was in that 2018 series where they honestly should have beaten the Cavs. they definitely should have first round yeah yeah and you know things like just very old school taking we're gonna take victor oladipo out because he's got two fouls in the first quarter even though he's a guard those sort that sort of orthodoxy i do think in atlanta they're shooting more threes we've seen less of just him being like totally stayed the way he was in indiana but uh there's two teams in a row now where they just during the regular season like his teams have outperformed their talent i would say yeah yeah so yep. so i mean that's when you're getting when you're talking about him you know we're getting to what are in theory below average coaches now if you can do that in the regular season you probably don't deserve to be any lower than this is my thinking yeah yep absolutely absolutely um you know and so i, I that's and that's the reason why i have him in a higher group than say stats or van gundy or Dwayne D- casey or one of the other veteran mm-hmm. coaches that's in that group. Sure. Bill, billy donovan um how about borrego you uh, what do you have you made of him in charlotte this year i think he's done a really good job in a not great organization um you know kind of there there's like some structure there there is some player development that's happened um i i just seems feels like everyone's kind of on the same page he's been able to get a lot of that out of them uh offensively i feel like and been able to really get by without a legitimate center for a lot of the year uh just with smoke and mirrors and so i think that's it's been a pretty good uh performance there i I, you know if you had said that they would have the injuries they've had this year i don't think anyone would have picked them to be sitting around 500 and hanging out in the playoff race well how on earth this team with its personnel you mentioned the lack of a center is 19th in defense i just have no clue right i mean they're basic and they're basically the same as from 20 to 16 in terms of defense like right right in that same range uh according to cleaning the glass and that's just they've junked it up a ton Uh, matt moore was talking about this uh, on danny's podcast a bit ago that they are very effective according to the second spectrum data as a switching defense and they'll throw in some bullshit zone as well as something against the Knicks last night even even though they lost they're just finding ways to junk it up and yeah you, there's only so much of a ceiling that you can have doing that type of stuff but in the regular season particularly this shortened year to get guys connected enough that they can change up their defense a little bit teams don't have that much time to prepare for them and they're just you know if you do a lot of switching you can at least force teams to run the clock down a little bit make them shoot from the outside they're giving up basically the most threes in the league right now which seems to be a calculated choice but for a team that has no rim 
protection, you got to take away the rim first, and they're doing that. So it's given them a chance to compete at least uh, on most nights. Uh, um, so that's been impressive. He didn't hadn't done much before this year to really wow me. He's actually moved up quite a bit, I think, in my rankings yeah. from last year. And uh, some of the development stories there: Devonte Graham, Terry Rozier, Lamelo Ball, obviously. Uh, Mal- Malik Monk has uh, been showing a pulse this year. Yeah, Miles Bridges has gotten a lot better defensively this year, I, I think. And as a shooter, PJ Washington has been a solid young player for them as well. So yeah, you got to start feeling pretty good about that. And we'll see if they make the playoffs this year. We'll get more of a sense of him as a playoff coach. But I, I just like the way that he's just been willing to try stuff, willing to do things unconventionally, even when you're giving up a ton of threes. It kind of looks bad. It's like, hey, look at the math. We're 19th in defense. And yeah, uh, you know, granted, maybe the story is a little bit different for them if they're not winning three games more than expected. They've been awesome in close games this year, which probably is a little bit more luck than anything, at least at this point. But yeah, still, you, you got to feel pretty good about that. Even for them to be four games under 500 instead of one right now would be extremely impressive, given what I thought they would. Be. I thought they would be, you know, a 30 win team over yeah. the course of an 82 game season this year. Yep. Yeah. Um. So yeah, they've been well above expectations. So yeah, that rounds out my top 20. Is there anyone else that you had in, in your top 20? No. Well, in that case, John, I think it is time to anoint the Michelob Ultra Coach of the Week. <laughs> James Borrego. He's junking it up. The Charlotte Hornets are having a ton of fun out there. LaMelo Ball might be one of the most fun players to watch. Charlotte Hornets fans are enjoying it, and it's only worth it if you enjoy it with 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. Joy creates success, enjoyment isn't the end game, it's the whole game with Michelob Ultra. Are you happy because you win, or do you win because you're happy? We'll have to ask uh, James Borrego that question. James Borrego, the Michelob Ultra coach of the week. If you're hiring for your company, what you need is help making your short list of quality candidates. You don't need 500 candidates who just applied with no regard for what the actual qualifications are. You need Indeed instead. You can post, screen, and interview all on Indeed. You can also use skill tests to winnow down the field of applicants. And using Indeed overall will on average reduce the amount of time you spend on hiring by 27%. You only pay for the candidates that meet your must-have qualifications and you can schedule and complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. They've got over 130 skills tests or you can even add your own. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. So you're getting the high quality candidates, you're saving time and ultimately, getting the applicants that are right for you. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash locked, the name of this network. Get a $75 credit indeed.com slash locked, indeed.com slash locked, offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. All right, who who you want to talk about next here in this, uh, the low 20s? You You want to talk about Dwayne Casey? I mean, not really. <laughs> just, There's just like it's just like a shoulder shrug, right? It's just like, uh, okay. Yeah, I mean, he's he's, he's, he's all totally right. Competent. He's doing, he's doing right? his like job I, I this year, actually. He's de- he's developing their younger players, and uh, you know, but this is a tank season. At the end of the day, there's you're just not going to have a lot to evaluate with him. Yeah. He he does. Uh, I think he's in hot water with Troy Weaver because he uh, won both of the Weaver Bowls uh, against OKC. Despite <laughs> the fact that he tried extremely hard to, to lose those. 
But, I, I mean, during his time in Detroit, I mean, even going back to the last Blake Griffin year, you certainly I can't find anything to complain about what's happened there. Now, they have had two years in a row of winning way fewer games than expected based on their point differential. Uh-huh. On the other hand, and they were actually trying to win for the first half of last year. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I, I still, I can't chalk that up to much other than just bad luck at this point in the regular season. I mean, you just don't see much consistency on that metric from year to year certainly not someone who has a great playoff record and uh when your coach or i'm sorry when your gm comes into the locker room screaming at you because you didn't double team lebron james on the last possession of the game that's never a great sign for what you've done as as a playoff coach and maybe he would improve if they got back there they are a long way away from there but yeah i think he's been totally competent he's been happy playing the young guys schematically i haven't seen anything that i've hated uh they've gotten jeremy grant has been given some leash to to do better they got a lot out of derrick rose before they traded in they got a lot out of blake griffin using him as a point forward in 1819 yep. before he broke down isaiah stewart has improved under his watch sadiq bay has looked pretty good casey has always done a good job of developing young players coming coming over from toronto where they did a really good job of that so they are uh, uh, six, I, I mean, 16th yeah. in defense too yeah that's that's pretty remarkable again just considering the overall situation there and and you wouldn't point to anybody on this team as being like some unbelievable defender so yeah that's pretty good as well uh i mean that and that's part of why they've been competent this year and given their offensive talent i mean jeremy grant bombing away is the number one option yeah i mean not a surprise that they are uh, a poor defense or or offense i mean i think actually being 26th is somewhat of an accomplishment (laughs) given the talent (laughs) right offensively (laughs) so so i mean i probably I should probably actually have uh, Casey at the at the top of this group. He's got a decent argument to be in this tier above. I think it's just he's kind of been in purgatory for a couple of years, and and it's just hard for him to have done much. Yeah, yeah. maybe that's uh, unfair to him. But I also I just can't get that excited about him either. Yeah, yeah, um, um, yeah. Okay, uh, I think we got two great unknowns here. Um, who I just kind of put in the mid-20s and shrugged my shoulders. Like, I had Mark Daynall with this group, too, uh, but Chris Finch and Steven Silas, where we're still kind of learning about them and we don't have a lot to evaluate yet, especially with the teams they have. I had to put Silas in my bottom tier in the 27 to 30 range. They, obviously, it's been a miserable situation in Houston. You know, I I think he does, there are raves about him as just a, a good communicator, good emotionally intelligent coach. But they shouldn't be this bad. Like, they had all their guys, and they got just completely destroyed by Miami, who was playing nobody the Mm -hmm. other night. Like, this team has been playing below its talent level, I would say, for much of the season. And, yes, they've had the injuries. They've had the turmoil. They've had guys coming in and out. Like, I I get all of that. But I just... I think they should be a little bit better defensively than they've been. Um, you know, they've been bombing away from three. This is one of the few teams that I would say is actually shooting too many threes over the last 20 years where I would have said that. And mm-hmm. they are they are like process sixers level of shooting threes and missing them. Um, yeah. So I, it, it just, again, I don't think, I'm not going to tell you that he's terrible. Uh, like I don't have enough to evaluate that, but I just think there hasn't been anything good that, that I can point to at all. And that kind of gets you down into this bottom group even if we don't like the the record so far isn't good and so you got to just be in the bottom for me i mean maybe maybe there's an argument that he should be better than luke walton's 
Scott Brooks and J.B. Bickerstaff just because those guys have kind of established themselves as being lower and he hasn't yeah. yet but uh, I mean they, they've been awful and I, I just I can't really come up with anything that that they've done well so far so that, that's why I haven't done here but I'm maybe I'm being too harsh on him I, I I can acknowledge that well, I mean, I had him 25th, 26th. I mean, I I, had, I guess I had those guys 24, 25, 26 and just had question marks next to all three of them. I just had him down there yeah. just because the, the I, like we just we just don't know that much about him yet. Well, so for me, I here I'll tell you why I had Finch higher than him, even though we, we haven't seen much. Number one, Finch has a very good reputation for what he's done offensively as an assistant. Number two, he's implemented changes as soon as he came in to just put the ball in Carl Anthony Towns' hands more. You've got stuff like Towns isoing at the top of the key against other centers, and uh, just uh, Towns has been playing really well under him since russell came back they've actually been pretty competitive i just think offensively i've liked the changes that they've made their offense has been more free-flowing anthony edwards is playing better under his watch as well and yes he was replacing ryan saunders who is not doing a good job Mm -hmm. but i think you can point to specific things that he's implemented that have improved the team so far whereas you can't necessarily for silas to me they've i think minnesota has been at or above expectations since fitch came in and i'd say silas has been below expectations with this houston group so that that's why i granted small sample size both of these coaches a year from now can do a lot to change your opinion I mean, i'm just kind of basing yeah. it on what we've seen and trying to slot them in and noting the uncertainty but i think finch to me at least has shown something whereas i can't point to anything that silas has shown yeah that's, that's fair I, I did i did i did have finch one spot higher than, than silas but <laughs> <laughs> well I, I guess the difference is that i have silas in a lower tier yeah, than yeah. finch so i yeah. that's uh he, i have him firmly in the 21 to 26 tier oh okay as Much opposed better. to the Much uh better. the 27 to 30 tier um okay here's uh, anything else you want to say uh on finch at all i no I let's move on lot, but okay uh one guy that i uh, probably the hardest to rank for me in this second half group is nate bjorkren what have you seen from him this year okay i had him 29th um oh baby i'm a, I'm a little worried about him uh and you know indiana is like hanging in there even though they've had a bunch of injuries so i respect that but i just the thing that really worries me is that i feel like he's just doing what toronto would have done and not really accommodating for the fact that he doesn't have the same personnel explain just in terms of like all the ball pressure and the going over screens all the time and um like the, the the way they play defense uh and you know they'll go to zones a bunch but i don't think they're very good at it um it 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 just it just strikes me that like he's basically doing an impression of Nick Nurse. <laughs> but uh Nick Nurse is good. Yeah, Maybe but it's like he's, but... he's like <laughs> Right? Like I, I mean, I, I'll take like the uh the non-union equivalent of, of Nick Nurse. Absolutely. <laughs> what's what's your impression? Well, I, I guess I I have been troubled that they haven't been that good this year. I think that their injuries not only and there was the Oladipo situation earlier in the year, and if you just look at the raw games missed, it's not necessarily that bad. But they always seem to have guys in and out of the lineup, whether it's Brogdon, whether it's Turner, whether it's Sabonis. They haven't had T.J. Warren all year, which has killed them. I and mean, they have yep. they basically have no wing size guys on the entire team. Like Justin Holiday is like their three and their four in some lineups. Yeah. Yeah, they've been Jordan. playing Jeremy Lamb as a backup four. Yeah. 
Yeah, so that's been difficult. Lamb, another guy who's coming back from injury this year. And I do think that the the idea of, hey, let's funnel everything in to Miles Turner is a sound idea as well. And Turner has been pretty effective. They defended reasonably well when Turner has been on the floor this year. Not so well when it's been Sabonis at center. I, I think maybe I... I will admit that I'm giving him more of the benefit of the doubt because he's kind of willing to try stuff. He One thing he has done that's been effective from Toronto is having them get the ball out of bounds really quickly, especially after makes, doing a little bit more running than they did under McMillan. McConnell has, has especially been Especially with TJ McConnell. For yeah. That. yeah, yeah. I, I mean, they have they have gotten more out of McConnell even than uh, McMillan did. And, that you know, he's not a Toronto style of player. So, and McConnell getting all these steals in the backcourt and stuff like he's kind of been unleashed even as a limited player to give them some effectiveness i i just and supposedly the players really like him there they've been very complimentary of him in the media in a way that they weren't of mcmillan yeah it'd be nice if they won a few more games i will <laughs> i will admit that uh but i do think that he's forward thinking enough in terms of running and some of the defensive stuff like the, you know they you, they went to the box and won on curry earlier this year and won a game that they had no business winning in san francisco because they did that and the Warriors mm-hmm. struggled with it. So there were like so that Toronto stuff is is pretty good. That's why that's why we like Nick Nick Nurse for it. Uh and so I, I think being mini nurse, I, I'm kind of giving him credit for that. I guess you're giving him a demerit. Uh and also with the injuries. Now, if they come back and everybody's healthy next year and they're five hundred, yeah, he will rock it down to the bottom for right. me. But right. I, I mean, I think twenty nine is like you're saying he's worse than Luke Walton, Scott Brooks, and JB Bickerstaff? Uh there was one of them I said he was not worse than. <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> I might have been I might have oh. been too harsh. I might have been too harsh with this. Here, here's where I, I realize I'm being too harsh is because I put the other first year coaches in the mid twenties. So yeah. it, at the very least, I should have him in the same spot. Give it, give it, give him more time to prove me, prove my initial impression wrong or right. Yeah, I, I, I get your idea that maybe there's a little bit too much inflexibility with this. All right, we're gonna have Sabonis out on the floor, running guys off the three point line, and funneling him into into Turner. Yeah, maybe, maybe there could be a different approach there uh, but I, I also he's gotten them shooting more threes I think that's good uh, yeah. th- even even if they haven't gone in it as much but yeah I mean they've just been so racked by injuries it, it, it's been tough you know Levert didn't come back for a while I mean that's one thing where I, I expected them to start playing better once Levert came back and they haven't that's probably the one thing where I felt like they were really at expectations until that happened but then they've had this Sabonis injury and this Turner injury and uh, Brogdon out of the lineup it's, just, it, it's been tough so I kind of liked him I liked the hire beforehand maybe I'm still too stuck on that prior but I also am not going to crap on him for this year when it's been pretty rough for him. So we got a a few other guys we haven't talked about yet. Uh, My bottom four, but although I still have him in tier four, and that's Billy Donovan. Yes, we have a a reigning coach. He he won coach of the year last year, didn't he? Or or did he come in second or third or something? I can never remember anymore. It's never the guy. I don't don't care care enough about coach of the year to retain this. Um, Okay, maybe he didn't win. Maybe he came in second or third. Um, But... Did did a good job. No, with yeah, OKC nurse, last, nurse, nurse was it last year. Nurse right? was coach of the year last year, right? Year, yeah. yeah. So yeah. did a really good job. OKC regular season last year did a not good job in the playoffs, and that's been pretty consistent his whole career. Um, and I think he's, uh, you know. He had Chicago in the playoff race there, and I, I think post trade he's kind of struggled to figure out what he has and and how to best utilize it. But what's your impression of him? 
uh, competent, good representation of the organization. I, I, he's the ultimate safe choice. Let's just find somebody a, who's not ex- going to kill you and that's going to embarrass ourselves. Yeah, just extreme vanilla, right? Uh, yeah. And kind of on autopilot sometimes. Well, yeah, I, I mean, what what does he do well? And I... As a coach, I just I struggle to see what that is. They've they've taken a step back defensively this year, which I would have predicted honestly. As much as shit as Jim Boylan got, I mean, this Chicago team is now 23rd in defense, and they were 12th last year. And granted, they yeah. did that by forcing a bunch of turnovers, but you know, and it looked really stupid against the good teams, but it also actually worked. Uh, he definitely. Uh, saw some regression from Wendell Carter under his watch. Kobe White didn't develop either. Both those guys got replaced in the starting lineup and not necessarily helping them win. They've had some pretty ugly collapses at the end of games where they haven't been able to score as well. And that, that's when, yeah, sometimes it's bad luck. This one, though, they really have struggled to get some of the right lineups out there at times. So I, I'm just, I, I'm not, again, it's I'm not going to like crap all over him. It's like, oh, this guy's awful in the regular season. But again, there's a lot of great coaches out there and he he to me is if we were going to say that terry stotts was sort of the like boring competent choice he's like kind of a worse version of terry stotts to me that's a great way to put it yeah yeah i, th- I think that's a uh, i will way. give him credit though granted this was five years ago but i did think he actually coached a really good playoffs his first year in okc uh against the spurs and against the warriors both teams that in theory were superior that uh he caused big oh, time yeah. problems for with some specific adjustments but since then i I agree. It's been pretty poor. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you could. I mean, they they took Houston to seven last year. They weren't supposed to win that series. The three guard lineup together that was that was okay. You know, I thought he did a, a good job last year, but also a lot of it was Chris Paul just happened to play be nineteenth in the NBA in minutes played when people expected him to be uh, you know two hundred fiftieth. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So um, all right, we got a little time left here before we get to your speaker request. That is coming soon. Uh, but uh, we talked about side already so give me you said you had bjorkren at 29 so give me your rankings of the remaining coaches we haven't talked about yet yeah i had uh bickerstaff and then scott brooks and then i had luke walton last you didn't recuse yourself on, on bickerstaff well i didn't recuse my no nah, it's been it i mean it's been enough it's been time has enough passed now. now that i could i think i could <laughs> talk a little bit i mean he's He's never been in a situation that was really primed for success, is is the thing you could say about Bickerstaff. Um, but it's his fifth, at least partial season now, and it's, you, there's never been a there's never been a moment where you're like, oh, they're they're really massively overachieving here. So it's it's just tough to rank him ahead of a lot of these other guys. Yeah, they were ten and eleven. I thought they were massively overachieving at that point, but their point differential was never been good this year, and uh, then they've they've actually won. 4.5 games more than expected this year despite being 20 and 37 yeah. so that goes into it for me as well and Darius Garland's playing a little better this year you gotta give him credit for that I give him credit for trying Larry Nance at the three and kind of making Larry Nance into a, a really high level of player at times but it's disturbing to me how few threes they take that's the concern about him is that he's been reluctant to embrace some of the more modern principles you've got these two guards who are really good three-point shooters that you're trying to make the next Damon ZJ except they 
take half as many threes as yeah. Dame and CJ do. And even when they shoot a good percentage also, this has been one of the worst passing teams. You can't really point to anything that he's done from a system standpoint offensively other than maybe getting Larry Nance a little bit more involved. Uh, they haven't figured out a way to get much out of Kevin Love even when he has been healthy. And defensively, they've kind of been... I mean, maybe you're doing well to be 22nd in defense. I think, I think actually, I mean, early in the year, they were forcing so many turnovers and... Yeah, you know, that's, it was true. Kinda, that's true. It was kind of impressive that they were able to do that, especially with a kind of a small, bad backcourt <laughs> defensively uh, with with Garland and Sexton. So, so they had that going for them. I just um, that that hasn't really sustained itself, though. I mean, they've had a lot of lineup changes and variants. I mean, you look at some of the dudes who are out there some night, and you're like, oh my goodness. Um, so yeah, so I mean, they've been, been playing the Lamar Stevens and uh, yeah. Dean Wade, who I I. It, I think I can never tell whether the Cavs announcers are calling him D Wade or Dean Wade. <laughs> I really hope they're not calling him D Wade. I think that that one is taken. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, there's been a lot of different lineups and whatnot in Cleveland this year, and then the charity minutes for Okoro, I think, have hurt them too. Yeah, although he's the only guy on their team who can defend, so yeah, I, I understand yeah. him being out there. And and I mean, that's I'm not blaming him for playing him. I I don't think you are either, to be clear. But just that, yeah, that's something yeah. that's made it more difficult to succeed. But well, I mean, I'll tell you what, Okoro is a shitload better than Jetty Osman, who might have be the worst player in the NBA this year when you <laughs> consider his defense and the fact that he he's got like a 23 usage and he's shooting like below 50 percent true shooting and he's not really a defensive 47. player but in any event yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um like that was one where i looked at the stats and i was just like holy shit like i didn't realize like i thought he was maybe like a competent small forward in my mind anyway all right that, that's that's enough on him i, I actually have jb 30th but Okay. But you could you could certainly make an argument for Luke Walton or Scott Brooks in this position. Um, so who was 30th for you? I had Walton 30th. So Scott Brooks to me is the lesser version of Billy Donovan, who is the lesser version of Terry Stotts, right? <laughs> and o- Oklahoma City, this is like Oklahoma City's coaching tree, right? Like it went from Scott, Scott Brooks, vanilla one to Billy Donovan, vanilla two. Um, Bro- Brooks's vanilla is a, is a little too vanilla. Um, I mean, to his credit, he's yeah, Billy, a, he's Billy Donovan is vanilla bean, whereas, <laughs> uh, whereas Scott Brooks, just regular vanilla. <laughs> yeah i mean how these guys being 24th in offense i mean that is that that's pretty atrocious like this was supposed to be a good a, a good offense this year that's how they were going to get there yeah and yeah they're built just, to be an offensive you, you, team and, they, and they're still not good at it yeah and personnel hasn't been amazing he's kind of integrate some of these young dudes with a team that's also supposed to win and i don't know that the development there has been unbelievable i think he's shown at least some new tricks with like the way they used bertans last year for example but yep. i mean the record record is what the record is these guys have underperformed pretty much every year except for brooks's first year uh and it, there's just again there's too many good coaches out there to, to me to be wasting your time with scott brooks and with his contract expiring i think washington will likely come to the same conclusion this offseason yeah so uh and then walton we can finish up on him quickly i know we got to get to these uh speaker requests 
But the blueprint for reasonable success was created by Dave Yeager, and they just haven't done that. Like, they don't run the way that they did with Yeager. That was, like, the, the easiest thing to implement, and Dave Yeager was screaming himself hoarse on the sidelines trying to get him to run every time. Luke Walton hasn't been doing that. They haven't run as much. They're, I don't think that this team's defensive personnel is so bad that they should be, like, you know, the worst defense in the NBA. Exactly. Necessarily. Yeah. yeah. Unless they're giant, playing badly giant, at center, but... Giant, giant red flag there yeah <clears throat> yeah like that like i thought they could provide some competent defense they've had competent defensive years recently so yeah i, I mean walton seems like he's uh, headed for uh the end uh, as well and it just going and then, and then his, and our, then his, our, his, yeah. his year in la was was no prize either i mean you can't just blame the kings for this yeah i thought his first year in la they defended above their weight but obviously the the last year with lebron uh lebron wasn't too happy with him it, it seemed, <laughs> seemed pretty clear so uh, although worth noting they were like 24 and 11 before lebron got hurt initially but but it does seem like luke is kind of there's sort of an inmates running the asylum feel to some of these walton teams where you just get these weird weird uh quotes from players fathers and uh, like just little <laughs> acts of insubordination but he healed yeah. it just it, there's yeah. not he just doesn't he seems like he's kind of at the edge of competence here i, I liked him initially but uh, clearly the record just hasn't been very good um, worth noting, by the way, that we have a pretty good record on this in terms of at least what organizations think of their coaches, because we had Ryan Saunders and Jim Boylan, uh, Alvin Gentry towards the bottom, uh, Mike Miller towards the bottom last year. And, uh, all those guys were like, oh, so that's, that's true. Most protein bars are awful. I like to work out. I've tried basically all of them. And before Built Bar, I'd resigned myself to the idea that they're all going to taste like a rock quarry. But now, with 18 amazing flavors, the improved Built Bar is even more delicious. There's six new flavors. Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry bar, sia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, apple almond crisp. Of course, there are classics like raspberry, peanut butter, double chocolate, peanut butter brownie. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate. That makes a huge difference. By the way, they're soft and easy to chew, but they're still great for the health conscious person. For example, peanut butter, 19 grams of protein, 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, 5 grams of net carbs. Great for a keto diet. And you can even get a free cooler with purchase while supplies last. Go to builtbar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at builtbar.com. If the last year has taught us anything, it's that we don't really need bricks and mortar stores anymore. Going to your local auto parts store really was not a good experience to begin with. In that front area, they never really had anything other than just totally generic stuff. And then you would go to that desk, you probably had to wait in line while the one person who was there at the counter tried to find the part that the person in front of you wanted. And then finally, when you got up there, you would ask for your part and they'd say, oh yeah, we can order that. It'll be here in two weeks. Well, great. I could have just stayed at home and used rockauto.com, got my part faster, and saved a bunch of money. Chain stores at different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. Rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. So go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car and truck. You just put your make and model in there. Right locked on in there. How did you hear about us box? So they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. Okay, let's get to some speaker requests here. Sorry, it has taken so long. We got nine of these, so we're going to try and roll through here. But uh, Pokusevsky okay. 
is first let's uh let's get to it pokemon so reminder we're recording this as a podcast so just start talking and if we can't hear you we'll let you know you are in poku hey guys what's going on first time caller long time listener um sadly i'm not actually poku um uh, my name is johnny oh, and i'm a long time thunder fan from hong kong oh yeah um my question is related to this year's restricted free agency and how you guys would expect teams with max cap space to approach the rfa market especially since uh, most of the big names in the unrestricted free agent market have signed extensions already. Um, I was originally thinking about how the Thunder should use their cap space this offseason. They have um, $55.5 million on their books for next season, including Al Horford's $27 million, And they also have a bunch of expiring trade exceptions. But training for bad contracts doesn't seem to make sense since most of the Sour 16s have already ended. Um, so my logical conclusion was that OKC and other teams with max cap space this offseason, such as the Spurs, Mavs, Hornets, and Knicks, they should be throwing big offer sheets at RFAs. Like guys like Lonzo Ball, John Collins, Duncan Robinson, Kendrick Nunn, Devontae Graham, or Gary Trent, or even Taylor Horton Tucker. And so I'd love to get your thoughts on how these max cap space teams will approach free agency differently and which RFAs in particular they should target. Well, I do expect some of these other teams to go after RFAs, like you mentioned. I think the Knicks in particular are a very strong candidate to drop a sheet on, on Lonzo Ball in particular. I think Oklahoma City is going to sit this one out, though. I think they're going to be a dumping ground for bad contracts again, accumulate even more draft picks, and then maybe, maybe a year from now, decide to try to jump in. Maybe. Um, but I just I just don't see them going for the quick fix. I think they're they're, they're in for, for the long haul rebuild, and they're not going to get uh, distracted by anything shiny. The one thing that's interesting is Horton Tucker is because he's young enough that he can fit on the timeline with some of these other guys. And that, that, that could be an interesting one, especially if they go full Tyler Johnson on him and, you know, do that, do the max one that the Lakers would probably really sweat having to match that. Yeah. That, that max arena offer uh, a couple of things I'll, I'll add to what John uh, was saying. I think the teams that are trying to be good next year, those teams are, are going to be loath to go into the re- full restricted free agent process, because if you get matched, then you're just left holding a bag of cash when you're trying to be good that the next year. So I, I would expect the Mavs to be more active in the unrestricted free agent market. Knicks, it'll be interesting to see whether they feel like they want to be assured of getting better or not uh, they also potentially with julius randall needing a big new contract in the summer of 22 they might feel that they want to keep their powder dry for that a little bit uh, but yeah it'll be interesting there are the restricted free agents are a little bit better and some of these teams the heat for example they might blanch a little bit at having to pay 20 million a year for duncan robinson so that'll be fascinating but i agree with john that okc to me if they can't go the bad contract route that they're going to kind of chill out a little bit save some actual cash they'll be around the minimum salary again and you don't want to sign someone who might actually you know win you a bunch of games next year uh as well so it seems like they're kind of in the multi-year tank mode thanks uh so much for that question good to have personally, you on for the first time yeah go ahead. I, oh sorry um personally i kind of feel like um the logical thing for okc to do is to like set this one out and tank and like accumulate more draft picks but um the recent signings of like gabriel deck and um V. Crecci is in like Dallas and OKC, and um, he's just hanging around the team and all that. 
and there's rumors that they're going to bring over Vasily Mishic, um next season. So I just can't shake the feeling that they're somehow going to try and be good or go through the plane or something. Yeah, that would be interesting. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, John. Yeah, I think um, the de- the deck contract is is filler so that they could get to the minimum salary. Like I, I don't I don't see him as any kind of prospect really. I think they just have a number that they can use in a trade now. Um, All right. Um, can I also slip in a short sub question for my Mavs fan friend? Um, do you guys think that Devontae Graham or Jalen Brunson is a better fit next to Luka Doncic? Graham has a bit more playmaking, and Brunson has a bit more scoring. Uh, Brunson Ooh. for sure, bigger, bigger defensively. Yeah. Graham is just too small. Brunson can score inside the arc. Uh, Graham can't. Um, so easily Brunson, uh, I would say to me. Um, okay, let's. Uh, we got. Uh, All right, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for coming on. Um, we'll try and r- roll through these quickly here. We normally would like to get a little dialogue going, but in the interest of getting to as many people as we can, why don't we just do a quick, quick question uh, and answer? Jay Ochiogrosso. You are on the air. Jay, awesome last name. What's going on? Jay, are you there? Well, I got to say your last name. That was fun, at least. Uh, try and get back in the queue if you can. Let's move to Paul Sadlier. Hey, guys. Uh, quick question for you about the Utah Jazz and new owner, Ryan Smith. Uh, Danny always says ownership is the biggest competitive advantage in the league. I just wanted it. your quick thoughts on him. And then also, if the uh, Dwayne Wade partnership, him buying into ownership there, has any effect on their long-term prospects or maybe John, if you can talk to like uh, roster building or a, a peek behind the curtain on how something like that affects um, kind of how you can approach free agency or if that even has an impact at all, or if that's all just kind of yeah, he, media. He's, he's, he's a minority owner, minority owners in the NBA. I mean, you just, you just don't have that much juice. You don't um, now they can involve him to some extent. Um, and, you know, that could be helpful maybe at the margins, you know, if you come to a player meeting and, and Dwayne Wade is there, that could be helpful. Um, you know, like we, I mean, we had, for instance, in Memphis, like we had Justin Timberlake as a, as a minority owner. So occasionally, like if there was a free agent pitch, we would try to see if there was some way to like, you know, <laughs> if he could like do a video or something, you know what I mean? Just something that, right. you know, and, and so at the margins, I think that can help, but um, no, the things I've seen from Ryan Smith are a willing to spend clearly, uh, so that's a good sign, right? Like they, they're in the tax this year, didn't even sweat it. Uh, the extensions with Gobert and uh, uh, Donovan Mitchell, Mitchell yeah. it's the same thing. And uh, they, the only thing I would say is almost too exuberant, though, um, where like they barely even negotiated on these extensions. They just basically handed uh, almost handed the guys a blank check. And I do wonder if those contract numbers are going to end up biting them, especially if, Mitch, if Mitchell makes third team all NBA this year. Like that's that'd be kind of a fail on the part of the Jazz to guarantee him the thirty percent just for making third team, and uh, that's going to have some serious cap implications going forward. Yeah, and the the player options uh, as well on that. Th- thanks for that question. I wanted to do this one actually. Uh, this is a, a fun. One. We'll do it real quick. Uh, Mark uh, Koo in the uh, chat asks, "Can you guys do a top three offensive and defensive coaches?" Top three offensive and defensive coaches. Yeah. All right, I, I can start. Like if, if I'm winning, just, just win, winning a game today. Yeah, you. Yeah. yeah, why don't you start? 
Okay, so uh, defensive, I think Frank Vogel would have to be in there for me. Tibbs, uh, nah, well, I don't know. If, if it's a regular season game, Tibbs. If it's if it's the playoffs, may, maybe not. Yeah. Um, Mike Budenholzer. Nurse. Pretty good. Yeah, I, I mean, Nurse has probably got to be in there, though they haven't stopped that many people this year. Um, yeah, probably Nurse, Nurse, Tibbs, and Vogel, maybe. I mean, Steve Clifford is kind of in there, too. There's, you know, Steve Kerr's been a pretty good defensive coach uh, as well. Mm-hmm. Pop usually gets more out of it. It's it's kind of tough of like okay are you who's the best defensive coach in the playoffs versus who's building a system in the regular yeah. season i mean but bud's got to be up there for regular season so let's say to win a playoff game who do you want as as your coach i'm gonna go nurse i'm gonna go steve kerr and frank vogel those would be my three for the playoffs regular season would be different any arguments there what about spolstra yeah did they really defend that well in the end last year there i mean they were an offensive team last year yeah so I, I can understand that. Yeah, and I thought he also, I mean, going way back to 2014, he didn't really have any other options when they were getting housed by the Spurs in the 2014 finals other than the let's just double team the ball and get carved up by their passing over and over again. Yeah. I mean, that, was, that was a while yeah. ago, obviously. Yeah. Okay, yeah. That was a while. I think I think he's evolved a lot as a coach, actually. That's sure. one of the things I've been really impressed by with him. Like, he's, he's moved, like, if we had done this ranking in 2014, like, he'd he wouldn't be anywhere near we had where we had him on this one. Okay, offensive coaches. This one is tough too. I think Rick Carlisle would probably have to be in there, even though they never run. His half court offenses are always awesome. Quinn Snyder. Yeah, that's that's got to be up there too. They've had some offenses that weren't great, but they also didn't have the greatest personnel in the world. Um, do, do, do Nash here just because he's running D'Antoni stuff? Uh, yeah, that that's a, a possibility for sure. Um, Brad Stevens? Yeah, those teams, they never get to the rim and the foul line enough, though. I, that, that, I thought of him, mm-hmm. and I was like, I, they're, they're not like that that unbelievable. Um, I, I would put Nash up there um, and Carlisle, I need, and I need one more. Like uh, Snyder is in consideration mm-hmm. for me, and uh, how about Spo? It's, what about Spo? Spo strong actually? offense? Yeah, I, I kind of yeah. like him yeah. more offensively, although their offenses suck this year, mm-hmm. too. So that's a, Monty yeah. Williams actually would be one that uh, their offense in Phoenix has really impressed me a lot with the back uh, the number of cuts they get the number of assists that they get uh i think they've punched above their weight offensively the last couple of years so he might be up there we haven't seen it from him in the playoffs so probably gotta go spo carlisle and nantoni <laughs> nantoni <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh it, i like that yeah okay um all right that, that was a good question let's uh let's get to uh jay we got you back here jay you, did it work this time are you on hi i think so awesome How are you guys hey doing? hey great hey so i want to ask you guys a question um, in addition to watching a lot of nba i'm also a uh follower of the of some esports particularly starcraft and one of the things that the game designers and uh and administrators do is try to maintain what they call a healthy metagame healthy metagames normally just defined as is there a variance in strategy units composition of the team or the uh the units that are part of the game and i do wonder um although i enjoy the aesthetics of 2021 nba i do wonder if there is something lacking as far as the diversity of the nba metagame uh it does seem like most teams have you know a primary offensive instigator uh, surrounded by a bunch of guys that are, you know, in the six five to six seven range, um, pre- preferably those that could shoot. Some sometimes they play with a big big man, sometimes not. 
Um, but I do kind of yearn for some variance in the game so that, you know, a, uh, a team like the Hollinger Grizzlies with two bigs, um, you know, countering a um, countering some of these smaller lineups or other strategies might be um, might be effective in the game. So my question is, do you think my diagnosis is correct that there is kind of a staleness in the uh, composition and the strategy of the game? And if so, um, what are some ways to get around that? I don't necessarily just mean, you know, threes and dunks and that being the, the um, strategy, but like, is there a way to get some type of healthy um, variation in the game? So I, l- l- let me take so, this one, John, if, I, if you don't mind, because I feel extremely passionately yeah. about this one. Um, certain, okay. certain of our colleagues who obviously I respect, but I disagree extremely strongly with them, uh, for saying that there is not enough variation. I think there is far more variation now in tactics and in type of players than there's ever been. I mean, watch the way that Carl Anthony Towns and Nikola Jokic are playing now. You have teams that have offensive initiating centers from the perimeter. Defensively, there is far more difference in strategy than there has ever been before. Zones, two on the ball, in pick and roll, switching, drop back coverage, uh, you know, box and one, all this stuff is, t- is much more variation. If you go back and watch a game in the late 80s and the early 90s, half the offensive possessions are, let's put three guys above the three-point line so the other guys have to guard them in illegal defense and then we're going to throw it into the post with this guy and wait for them someone to sprint at him and double team like the game was much more homogeneous back then there are teams that play fast now there are teams that play slow as opposed to everybody playing slow there still is plenty of posting up you know that that i think is a you know joel Embiid, nicole Jokic, some of the guards um you know that that still happens plenty i think there's more variation now and just because more there's been this idea that everyone's shooting more threes that to me is not a uh an indication that uh th- that there isn't enough variation um and yeah you know you, and, and also i think not only that there's variation but also that just it's a more aesthetically pleasing style overall so i think this is the best ever era of basketball by far there's less fouling now too so i i really like what's happening and, and i would be loath to make re- what i would consider regressive changes so uh john i know you want to get in here, here as well what are your thoughts I would I would make one or two subtle changes actually. I think one of the biggest thing people say it's just threes and layups now. It's because catch and shoot twos have been replaced with catch and shoot threes actually has right. been the, virtually the entirety of that. The one thing we have incentivized the three a bit more because we're giving three shot fouls and we've incentivized players to draw oh, yeah. garbage three shot fouls. I think if we went back to making that a two shot foul, it would even out a little bit um some of the some of the way and and you get a little more variation in terms of in terms of teams maybe posting up a little more than they do now uh although, although i mean there there's still room for a good post up for great post up players i think i'd like to see the pendulum swing at least a little so that there's more opportunity for maybe guys who are good post up players but not awesome ones but that still might be a play that makes sense more often um and i think that, that Tweaking the balance a little on the three-shot foul might be enough. Um, controversial opinion here, especially for someone who was a, a big man in his playing days. Posting up is like kind of boring. <laughs> like, oh, he's gonna he's gonna it, put his back to the basket and slowly back down towards the rim, as opposed to like someone driving in and trying to shoot a layup. Like, there's no comparison. I think it's kind of it's not really that exciting to me. 
Yeah, Nate, I do get that. Um, just uh, it does seem like there's something. And I, I definitely agree. The uh, aesthetics of this game. Um, you know, I flashed. I grew up in the '80s and '90s and watched. You know, Rick Smiths and Pat Patrick Ewing trade fall away. Uh, you know, twelve foot post uh, possessions, which was excruciating. <laughs> uh, but but I I do feel like there's something. I mean, I I do kind. I, I also miss kind of the the rogueness of like the Don Nelson teams that they were just explicitly different than the other team and i just got a lot of enjoyment about seeing that counter um and i, I agree that some of the counters are more uh there are more counters and maybe there's more a lot more nuanced for the the uh more casual viewer um but but that that is an aspect that i i do kind of um i do kind of miss and maybe it's just the dumb teams got smarter um but there is something that i i think could be um uh, something may be missing. I, I will say this. I I wish there were more offensive rebounding. I do re actually really enjoy offensive rebounding. Um, But, okay, th thanks for that, Jay. That, that's a great question. We got time for one more here, and that is going to be one Todd Miller. Todd, how are you? Hey, guys. How's it going? Great. Um, So I wanted to ask about Mike Conley's offseason. Um, it seems like the conventional wisdom is – that the Jazz are just going to re-sign him and pay through the nose and luxury tax. <clears throat> um, but I think it's kind of a sneaky, interesting negotiation uh, because on one hand, the Jazz can't really replace him in any way. And on the other hand, I don't really see any other teams pursuing Mike Conley. Um, so I don't know if there's any external leverage for him. Um, so just wondering uh, what your thoughts are on that and uh, what kind of contract you expect him to sign in the offseason. The contract I would expect him to sign, given the luxury tax implications, is a contract that is actually longer than you would otherwise give for him, but has lower annual dollars. So basically, you're actually stretching the money over a longer period to reduce the luxury tax hit in any one individual year, which could save Utah a lot of money because of the additional multipliers on it. So that would be my expectation. Um, and I, I do think he's a good bet to re-sign there. And Utah does seem pretty inclined to keep this group together right now and just and just keep paying. And I think the, you know, it's it's also probably where Mike wants to be. I mean, I think the one team that would have a shot at him if they ever got cap space and or needed a point guard would be Indiana, just because of the kind of hometown connection for him. But they're not in a position to do that right now. So I, I would say Utah would be a strong, strong favorite to retain him. Yeah, and he's made comments to that effect as well to uh, your colleague Tony Jones at The Athletic. But uh, the two teams that I would see maybe being interested, Dallas with $35 million Well, Dallas space. certainly. I mean, Dallas tried to sign him last time he was a free agent. Uh, I don't know if you remember. I, I do um, remember. That's part of what was informing that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and, yeah and, and absolutely. The Knicks, the Knicks, too, you could see. I mean, he actually would be a really nice fit in New York. Uh, re imagine replacing Alfred Payton with him. Like that, that would be pretty good. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. I, I, you know, I, I think he will at least have some offers in theory, although, you know, who knows? There's probably, I mean, a, a lot of it depends, too, on what happens in these playoffs, you would think. Uh, but I, I think Utah, in theory, gives them the best chance to win. If they lose in five games to the Lakers in the second round, then he might say, eh, maybe I have a better mm -hmm. chance to win in Dallas. Uh, and maybe Dallas will offer him more money uh, than Utah can due to the tax uh, concerns. Speaking of that New York thing, you know uh, Mike uh, switched to CAA. Oh, no. 
<laughs> well, well, that's good. This is a, a good way to uh, bookend the pod uh, here. Uh, thanks again for all these great questions uh, on Locker Room. Sorry to those who got in that we didn't have a chance to get to, but we'll be back uh, next week, of course. I think it'll probably be at the normal time uh, at uh, 2 Eastern, 11 Pacific, but we'll keep you all posted on Twitter uh, about that. And thanks again uh, for joining us here uh, on Locker Room and the pod. We'll talk to you all next time. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.